Hey, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Southside Trap Podcast, the podcast that helps you stay on side with the Chicago Red Stars. It's your girl, Sandra. Here today with a special edition episode, we're talking more preseason stuff for Chicago Red Stars. There's a lot to get into, so we invited a special guest. Can't do anything alone, folks. I'm here tonight with my friend, homie, and colleague, Claire Watkins, a.k.a. The Scam Originator. How you doing today, Claire? I'm good. Am I the special guest or is it somebody else? You're always special to me. <laughs> Thank you. But we're, we're joined tonight by assistant coach Scott Parkinson. How are you doing tonight, Scott? Amazing. Thank you so much for having me. It's good to see your faces again. Uh, like, yeah. Likewise. Yeah. We, uh, last time we had a chat, I believe it was post, or not post, but right around Challenge Cup semis right it was before the fall series right it was yeah yeah, yeah. In, it was in between i think it was in between the challenge cup and the fall series yeah just a million years ago yeah, yeah. It like forever ago so we were like we definitely have to get caught up with uh with our friend of the pod scott yeah. and uh, we figured you'd be able to give us some good perspective on some things going on in preseason but first to to build to sort of build up into that um busy and active off season for yep. the Chicago Red Stars. Uh, but for fun, did you get a bit of a break? And what was the first thing you did if when you did get some quick time? Yeah, we did. Got some quick time. Do you know what? It was just nice to go outside and just walk around. And I know that sounds totally stupid, but we tried to try to protect one another with us all working alongside one another. Um, so it was almost like everything was was ordered and dropped off to the house. There wasn't a whole lot of anything going on. So just getting out into a cold, miserable, windy Chicago was the best thing that could, I could have ever prayed for. Uh, and just getting around to walk around, see the city, get outside, get down to the lake. Even though the weather wasn't fantastic, it was just beautiful to see, you know, the bright lights of the city. And, you know, as I say, just get to stretch our legs and, and see some humans a little bit more. Did you guys feel like last year, it, it's interesting because not a lot of soccer was played, but yeah. it almost felt like felt like the season in the way that it never ended. It also or it never really began. It also kind of never ended because there was a lot of offseason stuff right away. Like with no NWSL championship, you guys had the expansion draft like right after the fall series got done. Did yeah. it kind of feel like you were on the clock for the entire year? Yeah, it was crazy. And then obviously it was a joy to get to work with Rory through that sort of stuff because you know that's something that he's pretty uh pretty um educated in and has such experience in and really enjoys so it was just it was it was non-stop uh it was new it was different um and then before we knew it we were allowed to do voluntary trainings in january and um, so i was the coach to do them so i was straight back in the COVID protocol and before i know it i'm training the team again um and it was a short break um, talking a little bit more, maybe post expansion draft and mentioning Rory and his history amongst all the drafts, whether they're expansion or regular NWSL draft, this was your first draft. Was this your first draft with Chicago Red Stars? Yes, I was actually, it, yeah, I was the draft. I was at the table for Utah and then I left. I was going to say, weren't you, weren't you running the, like you were helping yeah, run the draft for Utah. Yeah. yeah, yeah so I took, uh, uh, Tazara King and uh, Illinois State kid uh, Katie Delfar for Utah uh, and then ended up coming to uh, Chicago um, and then obviously knowing the players that Rory drafted because that was my job to know them too uh, so the likes of Ella Stevens like 
uh, I was probably really close to drafting Ella Stevens in Utah. So, uh, so then to then have her in Chicago, it's it's just wild having all like that. So, talk to me about obviously the 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 draft in twenty twenty had a lot of different things going on with it. It was restructured a bit. There were some uh, regulations that were scaled back. Um, a lot of different rule changes. Uh, just in light of the pandemic, having to sort of make these adjustments on the fly. And obviously the biggest one was maybe just having this thing virtually. It was a little bit of a throwback. All of these other drafts really early in the day used to be like via telephone call and stuff like that. So yeah. kind of in a similar spot again, you guys kind of had to be in your decision room uh, yeah. virtually and not being able to have all those little conversations and deals with other teams talk to me about draft day and, and how you felt it was a success or, or otherwise yeah it was a success uh, it was definitely nice to not have to hide from rory because that was one bit of advice that i was given going into the 2020 draft for utah was uh don't make eye contact with them because you're gonna lose <laughs> Uh, so actually to sit and have eye contact with them but knowing I was safe was a different experience um so yeah it was it was wild but I you know I think I am proud of the league how they pivoted and, and pulled it off virtually and it looked nice and it looked pleasing probably a little bit longer than any of us wanted it to be but I guess that was the challenge that threw out and then in regards to the you know the rules you know I'm still not sure where it sits with me on drafting people who didn't want to make themselves draftable um and I think the repercussions of that is that the kids that should be coming out next year they also got an extra year so next year we may have an issue and then the year after that they were sophomores and they got an extra year and then the freshmen so i think this may be a four-year kind of kind of wild mess and <laughs> that like everyone's draftable almost and um, so what that did was it changed the game in terms of the scope because all of a sudden, I'm used to looking at this list that goes, you know, from 100 to 120, maybe five days later to 160. And you know, that's what you're looking for. Um, well, it just became three and a half thousand kids overnight, just boom. And everyone's draftable. So now you're trying to work out, okay, so she's been a Florida State for four years, but we didn't think she was going to be in the draft. So we've done no homework on her, but now she's she may be draftable. So probably the biggest dilemma, I must have sent the league, I don't know, I don't know how many emails, but the league would help us fact check. So we could say, hey, this kid, USC, she's been there four years, but she's only played two years. Is she draftable? Because in NCAA terms, She's 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 played all the seasons because she had a red share for one uh, and academics and one for an injury. Uh, and they'd said no. Uh, she's not in how we deem her. So it was just a really interesting procedure on figuring out and understanding actually who was eligible and who wasn't. But they did help us with that, which I was grateful for because I was dreading someone drafting someone that looked like they'd been at school for five years, but actually they weren't deemed eligible from right. this league. And then what, did that, what, what, what does that team do? Like, do they just lose the pick? Like, how does that work? Uh, so... That was a lot I said, but it was a wild time. So the, probably the biggest thing was the, the amount of players that were available and the actual, the little gray area on some of them on whether they were draft eligible or not. Um, so yeah, we just had to do the best we could do. Um, and most of the kids that we went for, we knew that they weren't coming out and we were completely 100% fine with that. Um, we, um, 
we knew that we'd give up a pick for 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 Mal. Um, so we almost knew that it, this year's draft was kind of for next year. Um, so we were fine with it. We knew we'd built a good team this year. So, yeah. So, so kind of as it worked out, you you make the trade for Sarah Wolmo and, and Mal Pugh, and we'll talk about that in a second. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like doing making that move, does that open you up to being able to say, okay, this draft is 100% for next year. We are putting the pieces together. We know what team we want, what team we have. We don't need that to come out of the draft. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I think that we, you know, we obviously lost a forward and a midfielder in expansion. And then we replaced a forward and a midfielder in the trade. Um, so it was almost like we got away with the expansion. Um, and, you know, you know, Yuki and Sav are different players than Mal and, and, and Sarah. But, you know, it was like we were in we were in a really good spot that we almost went unblemished. Um, and we still had a first round draft pick. We still had a couple of second rounds. Um, so we were just in a really good spot that we didn't have to panic on anyone. We didn't have to, we didn't need a player today. And a lot of clubs in that first round, um, they had to take players that they needed today. And I'm not saying that there was better players on the board, but ultimately if there was, they needed someone now. Well, we didn't. And I think the reason we got Madison Haley so late, personally, is that, you know, she's a brilliant student and she is 100% staying in school, not coming out. And for us, we're like, holy crap, she may fall. And she did. Um, and, and obviously the late, the late little trade with Portland, um, we knew it wasn't for Madison. Uh, so we were able to get it done. Um, so yeah, it, everything just the way it worked out, the way Rory structured it, uh, with everything he did, it just gave us the freedom to not panic, be, be slow, be cautious, and bank on some really talented kids that we knew would maybe drop later than they should have because they weren't coming out this year. I have a, a follow-up, still semi-draft related. With everything that so many of us had to go through in 2020, something that's been in the back of my mind is as you guys are together with this super long preseason is the 2020 draft class for mm-hmm. you guys. So kind of transitioning this into to preseason, there's probably players on, on the Red Stars right now that probably lost a little bit more in terms of development during yeah. 2020 than others. And some yeah. of those that I'm talking about, I'm referring to those who were in that 2020 draft class. Yeah. And we got to see some very limited minutes for some players who have some potentially very high ceilings, whether it's somebody like Zoe Morse or like you mentioned in Ellis Steven, talk to me about these players in their current preseason, you know, the, the Ariel Chavarin, what are they bringing um, day in and day out to, to these preseason sessions with you guys now that they are having a little bit more significant time? Yeah. So I can honestly say this. I feel like every single one of them has improved they it, it was tough for them because they didn't get the games they didn't get as much training they didn't get the real the real shebang of your first year and all the stress of it that ultimately makes you a diamond um but i do feel that they now have utilized maybe the slow pace of it to truly understand what rory wants and what rory expects without maybe just getting into sessions training really hard 
not making a squad, getting left behind, because it's been such a slow burner, they've been involved in everything. They've been able to hear everything. They've not missed out on anything. Um, so I feel that we're at a spot with them now where they've grown up, they've matured, they've had a year of being a professional athlete under their belt. Um, and and it should work this way, but I do have such confidence in the players you spoke about and the players that came here in 2020, in the 2020 draft, um, because of the amount of time we've had to work with them, help them, whether that be video, you know, film and training, things like that. So, so, so yes, it's been a tough year, but they've also got a load of time with us in hotels and in the fall series and lots of training that maybe in years gone by, sometimes them rookies, they just get left behind because the season demands that we have to win um, and you're almost dragging them along with you. So, so I feel like they've actually been maybe a little bit more involved in everything. Um, so it may have worked in their favor a little bit. So talking, moving into to talking 2021 preseason, mm-hmm. um, I can't, it's challenge cup is upon us, which is wild. Time has <laughs> flown. Um, you guys have kept things under wraps a little bit. Uh, not a ton of updates in terms of, you know, preseason games, what those results have been, that sort of a thing. Um, I wanted to hone in on just because I, you're in front of me and we haven't asked anybody this yet. Uh, a player like Mallory Pugh, she comes in. Um, we, Rory talks about when, when she was acquired, some stuff about um, the, the club feels like they're able to get her sort of back on track. She is a player that has had some, some body alignment issues. She's been injured off and on. She goes to U.S. camp, um, gets pulled for an injury. Uh, and so I just general update on Mallory Pugh. How's her preseason been? How's she been with you guys up until this point? How is she fitness wise right now? Um, so she's ahead of schedule, which is great. Um, she is uh, she's ahead of schedule. We're going to see Marlon games and, and uh, I'm not sure that it'll be the first couple. But I think you're going to see Mal maybe sooner than than people would assume with a lot of the injuries that she's picked up. They've been long term. This one, I'm I'm touching wood, we think is a little bit better than what we first thought. How she's fitting in. um, She is wonderful. She's pleasant. Um, She seems to really enjoy being on the training pitch every day, uh, which is great. Um, And I'll be honest with you, I think we have a good environment for her. So not only do we have the best trainer in the league by a freaking mile in Emily Fortunato, uh, Emily's worked with Mal with the national team for years. Um, We've got Rory, who is just, this is how, there's no beating around the bush with him. This is how I think you are going to get there. And this is how we are going to do it. And I'm going to hold you to that standard every single day. I don't care who you are, whether you're Mal Pugh, Juliet, or Zoe Morse. Um, so I've just got a, I've just got a feeling that this environment's going to be good for Mal. I think some directness, some bluntness, some this is how we're going to do it, and I'm going to get you there, and I'm going to drag you there if I have to. I think it's going to be brilliant for her. Uh, and and I'll be honest with you, obviously I've had to scout against Mal for years. Um, she is way better footballer than I ever thought she was. And I'm talking like the tight technical stuff. Uh, I think everyone wants Mal to be a runner and she's fast. So, so I get that. But in terms of them tight spaces and, and her ability to pass, see a pass, actually execute the pass. Um, she was working with me yesterday in a possession drill and, and she's playing passes that I didn't even think were possible. 
uh, based on whatever the situation was. She was absolutely brilliant. So I um, I knew she was good. I didn't think she was this good. Um, so I think, you know, with, with Emily, Rory and our environment, I, I'm, I'm optimistic for a really, really bright uh, year for Mal. And then kind of pivoting that into, like you said, probably not going to see her the first couple of games. She's going to be featuring for the team sooner rather than later. Lots of conversations last year and, and obviously with a grain of salt, did not get many games in. The vision of what the team wanted to be was never quite got the opportunity to reach that. A lot of talk about like that front six, right? Like a scoring, a group of scorers um, that are all kind of pushing forward. You want a scoring midfield. You want combinations between midfield and forwards in the contrast to the Sam Kerr days. Yeah. How does a player like without, you know, you don't have to give too much away, but how does a player like Mallory Pugh fit into that? Um, and do you see her generally, she's played wide for club, question of whether that's the best place for her. She's, you know, is she going to be more central? Is she going to be kind of further back in a false nine situation? Where do you guys see her on the pitch? So I don't see any of the false nine for that. And the reason for that is we've got like six midfielders that should start on any team in the league. So she probably needs to just not get involved in that and let's let, let, let them six fight that out. Um, and then I think, and Rory mentioned this to the players at the start of the year, and he's been true to his word. We are not going to, buy into any sort of set shape this year. We're going to have some principles of how we play, how we defend, how we are in transition. The, the shape will be determined by what we think gives us the best opportunity on any given Sunday against a certain opponent. Um, so I think Malcolm playing a double nine. I think she can play wide. I think she can play on the nine on her own. If you made me pick right now, I would say wide over a nine. Um, and it's something that we've been working on is trying to isolate our wide players a little bit more, being a little bit more of a threat, uh, getting the ball to them in an area where they can go at a back line, maybe not so low in the midfield or in a pocket. Um, so for me, probably wide. Um, but again, um, you know, if it's a double nine, then I got no problem with Mal being up there with, you know, Clear Watts, Rachel Hill, KJ, Mackenzie Doniach, who, by the way, we knew we'd like, we're the deepest team in the league. There's no question. Like, there's just not a question. The the intensity of what we've been doing lately and the competition, like, no shit, it is off the charts. Um, and it's but it's healthy. Uh, everyone's still positive, uh, and it almost seems like whichever player maybe gets put on the team that they don't think is quite the best team, she scores three goals in training. And, and it's like, okay, okay, we're going to swap these two now. And people know it's, we're doing it deliberately, but it's how, that's how professional sports should be. Um, so yeah, I'm loving the competition so far. Let's sort of, let's sort of stay on that for a little bit, that energy. Um, you know, the club is in full, in full swing of the second month together, maybe longer considering the voluntary workouts that were taking place in January. Um, how have you guys, like you're talking a little bit about how you guys have sort of transitioned that those early days of energy of just like being together to now sort of getting down to potential brass tactics and how you want to play things out for the remainder of preseason that you're leading up into Challenge Cup. And we were speaking a little bit off mic of some of the things that you guys have been doing, whether it's been the, the scrimmages against collegiate teams. Um, but I was wondering if you would be willing to share a little bit of what you guys want to have coming up, cooking next uh, ahead of uh challenge cup as you guys prepare for that 
Yeah, it's just we're still layering in what we want from them. But ultimately, the players understand that, like Sarah Lubert, every time the kid's on the pitch for us, she scores. Like, no matter who we play, whether she starts or we bring it on as a sub, she just scores. Well, she's playing. <laughs> like, and until she stops doing that or someone does it more than her, then then it, it's going to stay that way. Whether you're Mal Pugh or, or anyone else, if Sarah Lubert scores two goals a game, she plays. Like, that's just it. Um, so it, it, it's, it's, it, it's sticking with that theme and, and putting people together who are in form and are playing well and giving them the opportunity to stay on top and, and, and give the ones that maybe aren't performing on any given day the opportunity to come back the next day and, and fight for it again. So everything we're doing right now, and it's not mind games, it's just <laughs> you just pick the, the best front three that we think are the best front three. Everyone knows it. they're scoring the most goals. Um, and then you just play with it. And, you know, if they have four days where one of them's down and, and you know, Rachel Hill is banging goals in all day and training, then she gets in and that's just it. Um, so I think for us, it's laying in some of the tactics, laying in some of the principles. Uh, and for me, at least, I got a year of that slow burn as well with Rory about what he wants, how he does things, how he likes things to be done. And then maybe I can add some of my little sprinkle in there too and, and you know, help the club move forward with, with this group of players. And so, yeah, it's just laying in and, and keeping the competition really high. And, and we're not even just talking about the, the forwards, like the midfield. Like Sarah Killian, Nikki Stanton, uh, JJ, Vanessa, Danny, Morgan, um, Ella. It's stupid. Like, it's absolutely stupid. It's like US national team levels. You think playing yourself is probably the best game you're going to get because um, they're just so good. Um, so, you know, steel sharp and steel, people say. And I'm definitely seeing that right now. Does it seem like, I mean, all of that sounds to me like a really good place to be, especially going into the challenge cup, which might still have some preseason vibes, right? Just kind of getting back in with other NWSL teams, seeing their looks for the first time. Um, no, you know, there aren't, it starts in an international break, right? So no U S players for probably first two games. Um, challenge cup is going to need a quick start. If you want to make it to that final, because it's just kind of that round Robin group play, winner gets into the last game. Do you think that that concept, that concept of being the deepest team of not committing to shape, not committing to a set starting 11, is that kind of the mentality that you think will carry through and give you that edge against player against teams that maybe have real blockbuster starters, but then it tapers off a little bit. Yeah, we want to win. We want to win this challenge cup. Um, so I think, you know, Houston, probably, I think Canada play England. So they don't have Rachel Daly, um, um, Sophie Schmidt, Chappie, Prince, probably Christy Mewis is a no. So like they're losing six starters, we're losing six starters. So fair, fair is fair, but we have the deepest team in the league. We're set up for this. Um, so for me, you know, whatever the year throws at us this year, there's no excuse. We've got to keep them healthy and help keep them healthy. Otherwise, we've almost we'd be our own kryptonite if we if we didn't. Um, so you know, I've got no concern or worry about any team at any time in any FIFA window or not. Um, I think that we're going to go for it this year. Um, and 
as long as we keep people healthy and that keeps the competition high, I, I'm hoping that we get to see some some really, really good levels of football and, and, and competitiveness from this group going into this year. So just to reiterate, I want to win and we want to win this really bad. Um, I know you've, you've alluded to a little bit how there's potentially going to be a little bit more fluidity when it comes to the play, not having the set tactics and maybe not having the set starting 11. Uh, but from what you've seen, can you just sort of maybe share with us uh, some of your personal uh, opinions or some of your personal perspectives on a preference of how the team has been playing that you enjoy uh, watching uh, through some of the preseason images? Yeah. So um, I did some work on, what maybe, um, maybe let's say some things that caused us problems last year um, w w without the ball or maybe when we have the ball and we lose it and we get done in transition. Um, so there was quite an in-depth analytical look at ourselves, um, which can be painful at times, but I think you've got to do it. And then from that, come up with ways in which we can be better in maybe four to five moments of the game, whether that is defending the goal, whether that is being much better in possession to prevent yourself from being transitioned on. And then ultimately, if you are transitioned on, how you deal with that moment better. Um, it's a, so I say this to the players a lot. A lot of people call it like resting defense. So you're kind of thinking about defending while you've got the ball. Like there's nothing about resting that that is in being good at that. It's it's constant scanning, looking, sealing, balancing, and holding each other accountable to it in order to be really good with the ball. And then when you give it away, you absolutely pounce all over the team because you've got such good balance and you try and win the ball back as quickly as possible. So... The proudest thing so far is I think we're going to be a team that is much better in defensive transition. Um, and seeing Turner Davidson, Kayla Sharples, Sarah Gordon organize that and not only organize it, understand it clearly, listening to them, be as clear and concise in the right moments in training and in these games is a, is a joy. Uh, for, for me to see Anna Listener or Cassie Miller or anyone else helping them be really strong in their moments so that Shea Groom doesn't score that breakaway goal in the 92nd minute. So, you know, I think, was it the first goal was against Washington uh, where Sarah Gordon dribbled into their block and then they transition on us? Um, seeing them try to solve that, and it's stressful. Like, it takes a lot of thought because uh, you're thinking about losing the ball when you have the ball. So you're asking them to split their mind in half ultimately and look at the game with two lenses. Um, but at the highest level and to be the best of the best, you have to do that. Um, so to see that coming together, I'm really, really proud. Uh, I think it will be something that we grow into and the more confident we get in it, the more maybe we'll take more risks on the ball because we know that if we do give it away, we're fine. We're OK. So I think it's, it's, it sounds defensive minded right now but I think it's actually going to open the door to allow us to be even more creative and take even more risks. Well, it sounds like, right. I mean, the thought that pops into my head is it sounds like if you have that base in the back, then that springs Julie Ertz up to be able to have a lot of freedom in front of them. Um, and we've seen, we joke about how sometimes for Chicago, we see Julie Ertz just pushing, pushing up that field. It's like, Oh, she's the 10 now. Okay. Yeah. No, she's desperate. Yeah. yeah. Desperate to be, she's desperate to be a nine. Yeah. <laughs> she wants um, to be 
And it wouldn't be they wouldn't be Chicago Red Stars. That's right. Exactly, about yeah. Yeah. Nobody, nobody yeah. expects that, you know. Yeah, yeah. a little, little bit of chaos. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Chicago Red Stars will we use defense for the <laughs> Yeah, sounds, there you go. Sounds sounds about right. Um <laughs> I think maybe something uh fun to close out on um would be the giving you the opportunity to talk about some uh really cool off-season news that uh, kind of recently took place um, with the expansion of the ownership group and the investors. Uh, there's been a lot of discussion about it. It was huge news. Uh, we had a conversation with one of the new owners in Colleen Mayers, uh, and uh, we also had an episode recently where Claire and I wanted to give ourselves the opportunity to react to that as well because it's just it's huge. So uh, we thought that we'd like to maybe get your perspective on it because Really, this new ownership group and all of the new investors are really going to have an impact on the people who matter, which are going to be the players, right? And by extension, staff and coaches. So uh, give us your thoughts and feelings about it. Uh, What was sort of your energy when you uh, got to see the news officially dropped? Yeah, it was brilliant. Obviously, the first thing is obviously the future and the security of this club. Like we live in such a, you know, like an unpredictable world right now that, you know, women, no women's football team is safe. We've seen what happened in Sweden this year with Copperberg, like what a team they are. And so just I think just to know that we're going to be safe and we can dig roots deeper into this city for longer um, is probably the first feeling that felt great. Um, and then knowing that we can maybe create a, an even better environment for the players, which is what they deserve. Like ultimately, you know, they're probably never going to be millionaires in our lifetime. Um, but what they really want is they just want the opportunity to come in and do their job to the best of their ability and be the best player that they can possibly be. Um, and, you know, it does take money. Uh, it, it does. It, it takes money. It takes people that understand what a professional environment is. And then, you know, y- y- we can put that in- into place. And then I think the third one is, I think, accountability. Um, I think having people who have been there, done it, successful of different, you know, ethnicities, um, men, women, I think they can help us in, again, in an evolving world, actually help us be accountable to be a good club and be good people and treat people right and try and do things the right way and represent everyone um is probably the 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 biggest thing for me is it's you know there's there's a lot of powerful people and i think if if there's any if there's any shit going on they're not going to accept it. it and that's the way it should be and there's that accountability factor. So, so yeah, for that, I just think we're in a great place and we're moving in the right direction. And I'm really, really proud to be a part of it right now. So my, my final, my final question is, so I saw you tweeted a couple of days ago that you got your first dose of your vaccine at the United yeah. center. Shout out to United center. Congrats on that. Killing it. Um, so we're like, we are a full year since everything shut down. 2020 was wild. We're maybe seeing some light at the end of the tunnel, maybe even eventually having fans at the stadium for you. What is, and maybe it's hard to come up with this on the spot, but what is something that you would like to see this summer? Maybe something you would like to do yourself with a little bit more freedom. So you're not just like totally locked down in order to keep everybody safe. 
Um, do you have like a hope or a dream in terms of, of what you want the summer, summertime shy 2021 it's coming. We're excited. What, what does that look like for you? What's the thing you would like to see? I think I would like the perfect summer Saturday for me will be a 3 PM kickoff. Houston dash at home. And then we get to go downtown to the lake after the game. People have still got masks on, but people are about, and I can take a cold beer. I can watch the sun go down and just soak up Chicago and everything that it, that it offers. I think for me, chef kiss, that sounds like a perfect Saturday for me. Sounds like uh sounds like hope. And we uh, enjoy <laughs> we're talking about that lately on these episodes. Yeah. Feeling good. The uh, trajectory feels real good and real positive. Um, and then, uh, of course, we always got to end on a goofy thing in our brain. <laughs> and this actually just came up as we were talking about more offseason stuff and news. But, you know, we're all Chicago Sky fans here. Can you talk to me about how you feel about their side? Oh, I can't believe we almost, I almost forgot about this. You got to talk. Yeah, you got to talk. I got you. I got, I got her back. I got her back. I said, Scott's coming on. I got to I got to hear it, man. Hit me. So I may or may not have spoke to someone recently uh, at the sky. I can't say much more than that. I will say watch this space. Um, so I am... Um, I can't wait. Uh, I think, again, I think the club has stepped up and said, let's go try and win this thing. Like, the time is now. Um, and again, you, you've just got to hope that, you know, you make a big investment. Uh, if it goes pear-shaped, we all have to say, okay, it didn't quite work, but at least they went for it and they went to try and win the thing. Um, and it may take a couple of years to bounce back from because you spent so much money. <laughs> uh, but uh, I am over the moon. I can't wait to watch. I can't wait to represent. And, you know, like we know, that team just embodies, you know, this city to a T. Um, and I think us in the sky can fly the flag this year and, I think we're both going to be going after silverware. I think we both realistically can get there. Um, so hopefully we can support each other all the way to some sort of championship this year. Sounds good. Sounds fun. Uh, hopefully we can see some uh, fun collabos between the two sides. And uh, like you said, watch the space. Watch this space. Scott, thanks so much. It's been a pleasure as always. We look forward to having you on the show again. and chatting all things Chicago Red Sky and Chicago Sky. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me on. You guys are the best. Thank you. Thanks, Scott.